0: This morning, we have a lot of territory to cover. i got five chapters to cover, and uh, it's the end of the life of Elijah. And so we're going to go really quickly. I'm going to read some passages. I'm going to read about half of that, and the others you're just going to have to read on your own. But um, we're going to wrap up the life of Elijah this morning and walk through his... She's fine. It bothers you more than it bothers me. You know that. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, that's what they do, their children. Uh, so we're going through the life of Elijah. Elijah has gone to, uh, he's predicted that there's going to be no rain. He's gone to Cherith, been fed by ravens. He's gone to Zarephath, been fed by a widow woman. He has confronted Ahab. He has called down fire from heaven at Carmel. He has been threatened by Jezebel and runs south because of his, his, his depression and everything else. He has... Uh, face God and basically where God fed him by angels and then God stands him at the mouth of a cave and does all these incredible things and then when we last left him last week Elijah is standing there the, in the cave and God comes in that still small voice and says okay I got some stuff for you to do and that's where we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19 so with that in mind we're going to go there and uh, we'll I'll try to take it chunk by chunk and we'll go but 1, Corinthians 19, 1 Kings 19 here's what it says. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphath. Now, God had told him, one of the things that God told him to do was go go get you another guy to go with you. Remember, he had left his servant before and traveled then 40 days. And so he'd been for a while without a, a companion. And you've heard me say before, the Christian life is not a solo journey. Find other people who you can walk together with in the Christian life, who can encourage you, can help you, can strengthen you. Elijah got in trouble because he left that servant and so now, one of the first things God does is give him another companion. And he gives him Elisha. And uh, Elisha, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12 pair. Now, this tells us a couple of things. To have 12 pair of oxen tells us that Elisha came from a very wealthy family. Um, oxen were incredibly expensive. We would say it this way. Elisha was a farmer, and had ju- or Elisha's family was farming and they had just bought their 12th combine. Okay? Or 12th tractor. It's, it's, there's some significant wealth in this family. So Elisha is doing that. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, there's a couple of ideas here. One idea is that it distinguished him as a prophet. Kind of like, um, have you ever been to a church service where like the pastor wears robes? And, and, and usually they have like a shawl. If it's a Jewish thing, they have like a prayer shawl. If it's other religions, they have those things. You know, I've kind of looked at it. It would be kind of cool. I couldn't do it, but I mean, I think it would be cool. Uh, or, or if you go to a graduation, a college graduation, they'll have, if they're like honor members or certain things, they'll, they'll have a, a, a string tassel kind of thing um, that they wear. Uh, so some people believe that, that Elijah throwing his cloak or his mantle on him was, was symbolic of that. There's another idea that, that's interesting that comes up too and that's that when a child was adopted this was also part of a ritual where you would take your coat or your cloak or your mantle or your scarf or whatever it is and you would put them on their neck signifying that they belonged also to you. Uh, I, I think there's both ideas here. okay? And, and, and we're going to pick it up at the end and I'll show you at the end why I think both ideas are here. But one of the things that happens is he puts that, that, that mantle on him, and then notice what happened. Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Now, he had a great family because notice what he says. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, then I'll come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. Well, what have I done to you? He said, okay, all right, it's no big deal. Um, you know, um, I, I realize I'm asking a lot of you to do this. And so Elisha then goes back, and he goes back, and he takes his yoke of oxen, and he slaughters them. And he burns the plowing equipment to cook the meat. So he gathers all of his family and friends together and says, okay, guys, we're having a celebration. I'm moving on. He takes the ox, the the, the equipment, cuts it up into pieces, builds a fire, takes the oxen, slays the oxen, and says, we're going to have a feast. Now, let me ask something. Are you ever going to come back to this job after doing this? I mean, this is a guy who burned bridges. I mean, seriously burned some bridges. Because he takes every tie he had to this world and the farming thing and walks away from it all. And destroys it so he can't come back. I think that's significant because do you remember the disciples? Before they started following Jesus, they were what? Fishermen. You remember what happened right after The cross. What did they do? They went back to fishing. If they had done what Elijah had done, Elisha had done, they wouldn't have that option. So Elisha really makes a bold statement here of, I'm severing all ties, man, I'm in. I'm all in on this thing. And notice what happens. He goes on, he says, and, and they ate. And, and I, it doesn't say this, but I think this is significant. His mom and dad are saying what? Okay. Which says something of his parents. When it was a, you have our blessing to do this. This is okay. We want you to go out and do what God has called you to do. And so, it says then, so then he set out to follow Elijah and he became his attendant. So now this guy goes out and he follows Elijah. So now, from here on out, Elijah and Elisha are together. Okay? this is the end of chapter 19. You come to chapter 20. There's a story about a guy by the name of, of uh, King, um, Ahadad. You can read all of that. It's about a battle that takes place and a prophet, probably not Elijah, uh, is involved and, and all of that kind of thing. Uh, then we come to chapter 21, and we have a story of Elijah confronting Ahab. Um, at this point, what Ahab had done, the king, the guy who he had gone toe-to-toe with before, uh his wife Jezebel had worked out some things and he had basically stolen Naboth's vineyard and killed Naboth. Okay? So here's that story. Uh, uh, Kings 21. Uh, it says, The word of the Lord came again to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab king of Israel who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs lick up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me, my enemy. Now remember, this is a guy that, that he had run from Jezebel before. So now he's coming face to face with Ahab again. And he says, I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to bring disaster on you. I'll consume your descendants. I'll cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slavery-free. I'll make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and Bashan, or Basha, son of uh, Ashi, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. Going on. He says, uh, Also concerning Jezebel, the Lord said, Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city. The birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. And notice what God says. There was never a man like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. That's that's not the thing you want written on your tombstone by God. Okay? But that is Ahab and Jezebel's epitaph from God. Is... They're like the worst of the worst. Um, And so basically, Elijah, which I give him credit for, goes toe-to-toe with Ahab again and says, you're going to be a dead man. And and your death is going to be really, really ugly. Now, you need to understand, in this culture, when you died, I mean, remember, in Egypt, what's going on? When a pharaoh died, what did they do? They built these huge pyramids. And he's basically coming to this guy saying, Look, when you die, uh, the only people attending your deal are going to be dogs. That's how much what you have done has offended God of heaven. Now we go on, and for a while we do not hear about uh, uh, Elijah. And what you need to understand is, is in the period between Elijah and Elisha coming together, and the end of Elijah's life is about 10 years. Okay. Notice what happens. There's two very significant stories. The first one's in 2 Kings 1. Here's what it says. Now, Azaziah, this is one of the sons of Ahab. Okay. He had fallen through the lattice in the upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying, go consult Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from his injury. Remember, 450 prophets of Baal had been slain at Carmel. Ten years later, guess where Israel is again? Right back to Baal worship. And so the king at the time, he falls. He takes a fall. He wants to know if he's going to live or die. So he looks at some of his messengers and he says, Go consult the prophets of Baal. Find out if I'm going to live or die. Notice what happened. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, the Tishbite, Go up, meet messengers of the king of Samaria, and ask them. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So Elijah went, and when the messenger returned to the king, he asked him, Why have you come back? So these messengers go out real quick. They come back, and the king's like, Whoa, 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 whoa you, you shouldn't be back this soon. What's the deal? Because Elijah stopped him and said, Look, don't waste your time going to Baal. Go back. Tell the king he's going to die. Notice what happened. A man came to meet us he replied, and he said to us, Go back to the king that sent you and tell him, This is what the Lord says, it's because there's no God in Israel that you are sending men to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ephraim. Therefore, you will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. The king asked, What kind of man was it who came down to meet you and told you this? Who is this guy? What's going on. They replied, There was a man with a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. The king said, That was Elijah the Tishbite. He had heard dad talk about Elijah. He knew who this guy was. And notice what he says. Then he said, Elijah, captain of his company of 50 men. Now, if you want a meeting with a guy, you don't send an army. So this king's got bad intentions right off the bat. I mean, he knows, look, Elijah cost my dad 450 profits. Well, I ain't going to put up with that stuff. I can take care of this real quick. So he sends a captain with 50 men. And notice what's that? The captain went up to Elijah, who was sitting on the top of the hill. Some people actually believe this was Carmel. The Elijah had gone back up to Carmel to wait for the guy. Uh, he said, Come down. Elijah answered the captain, If I'm a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Really? And Elijah says, Look, you know, we've been here before. If I'm really a man of God, you're not going to take me. Fire's going to consume you from heaven. And guess what? Fire comes down and consumes, uh, fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain's men. Word gets back to the king. After this, the king sent Elijah. Oh, oh, no, go back. There, there we go. After this, the king sent Elijah another captain with his 50 men. The captain said, Man of God, this is what the king says come down at once i a man of God, Elijah replied. May fire come down from heaven and consume you in your And Then fire of God fell from heaven and consumed his fifty. Now think about this. If you're one of, of this guy's captains, okay, and you already know what happened to number one, and the same thing happened to number two, this is a lottery you don't want to win. And so what happens? The king still as stubborn as his dad does what? He's going to send a third guy. And notice what happened. But this guy's smart. So the king said, a third captain, his 50 men, the third man went out and fell on his knees and said, Man of God, <laughs> he said, I know who you are, man. We are not going down this road, you and me. Man of God, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven, and consumed the first two captains, all their men, but now have respect for my life. And the angel of the Lord said, Go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. Elijah gets up and goes down with him to the king. So Elijah goes, Okay, I know you're not going to kill me on the way up You respect me. We're good so he goes in before the king and he tells the king this is what the Lord said is it because of no God in Israel that you consult what you have sent messengers to consult Beelzebub the king of Ekron because you have done this you will never leave the bed you're lying on you will certainly die so he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken so now think about it for a minute fire in the life of Elijah is kind of this interesting pattern he's seen it at Carmel he's seen it at the mountain when he saw the fire and God was not in the fire. Now he's seen it come out of heaven twice. He's actually going to see it one more time. And notice what happens now. Now Elijah and Elisha going on, and here's what the story says. When Elijah was about to take, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on the way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. For whatever reason, Elijah is now going to make a series of stops. There's a lot of debate as to why he was going where he was going. Here's what a lot of people think. All along these spots that he stops, Bethel and, and, and just before Jordan and all these other places, there were schools of prophets. Everybody thinks that basically what Elijah is doing is he's heading back towards home. And on the way, he's stopping at places where there's people of God, prophets of God, and he's encouraging them one last time. And some of them go with him. But notice what happens at this place. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord sent me to Bethel. Elisha said, as soon as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he says, look, I'm not leaving you. I'm with you all. I'm stuck. You, you this, We're in this together, buddy. Now, they've been together ten years. And notice what happens. The company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord's going to take your master from you today? You know, this is the day, guys. You know, this is the day, Elisha. This is the day he's going to die. Well, notice Elisha's response. Yes, I know, but I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. Going on, what happened? Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As the Lord lives, well, oh, got to go back. As the Lord lives, As the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. A company of prophets to Jericho, went to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from it? Yeah, I know. Don't talk about it. And Elijah said, Stay here. The Lord sent me to Jordan. And what do you think Elisha is going to do? Not on your life. Moving on. Here's what he says. And he replied, As surely the Lord lives as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company where the prophets went stood at the distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped with Jordan. When was the last time Elijah was at Jordan? Do you remember? This is where he started, folks. The ravens fed him at Cherith beyond Jordan. He's coming full circle now. And he comes back and he gets there, and these guys are watching. And Elijah takes his cloak, rolls it up, and strikes the water, and the water divides to the right and the left, and the two of them cross over on dry ground. Well man, this is like this is like Israel stuff. And so Elijah rolls his coat up, and boom, and they walk across dry ground. And these 50 prophets are standing there going, whoa, this is serious stuff. And notice what happened. When they crossed Jordan, or when they had crossed, Elijah says to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? What does he say? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, he replied. Remember earlier when I said that putting the mantle on him was also a symbol of adoption. What did the firstborn child always get? A double portion. A lot of people believe that Elisha is not being like greedy here and saying, you know, I want to be bigger than you. But what he's saying, in essence, is I look at myself as your son, as these fifty prophets back here as your children and we have followed you I want a double portion of what they give and notice what Elijah says, Elijah says you've asked a difficult thing yet if you see me when I'm taken from you it'll be yours, otherwise it's not he said this is out of my hands what you're asking for is not mine to give my my spirit came from God if God wants to give you a double spirit that's God's deal and the only way you're going to know is if you see me when I'm taken. And then notice what happened. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elisha had stayed so close to Elijah that God physically has to separate them. And so a chariot of fire and, and a horses comes right between them. And one dives one way and one dives the other way. And then... It says, And Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father. Again, that idea of adoption. See what I'm saying? That I think there was like this this other layer going on here. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more. They took his own clothes and tore them apart. This was an idea of respect and the idea that you have seen God, so to speak. And then notice what happens next. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and left, and he crossed over. This was God's way of saying to those 50 guys standing there, He's now my guy. And notice what happened. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is now resting on Elisha. And they went and met him and bowed to the ground before him. Now, you get time to go back and read a little more because it's really cool because you know what the 50 guys go after this? They say, hey, look, can we like, go look for him one last time? And, they go, and Elijah said, Elisha goes, no, you don't need to go look for him. And they're like, no, no, let us go look for him. And he's like, okay, do your thing, man. And they come back and go, no, he's really gone. Uh, and they continue then to follow Elisha and Elisha has a, a, a phenomenal ministry. Um, it's not the end of Elijah by the, way, Elijah, by the way. You're going to see him come up again in the book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi is going to talk about he's going to, that, that one before the Messiah comes, one that will come in the spirit of Elijah, Elijah, which is John the Baptist. When Jesus meets in the Mount of Transfiguration, you're going to see Peter, James, and John, and there are two from the Old Testament that come, Moses and Elijah. And then in the book of Revelation, there are two witnesses. Elijah is one of them. That show up in the end times. So you see, you ain't know of him. I mean, you're, you're, you see him quite a bit. And and um, James even talks about the idea of um, praying with, with with the kind of a passion that Elijah prayed. Um, so that's the story. That's all the stuff. Uh, let's talk about a couple things that 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 we can um, that we can learn and maybe maybe just kind of apply to our lives this week. Here's the first one. <coughs> I think there's a lesson in here from Elisha about death as a whole. Um, when they come to Elisha, and remember, this guy's got a lot of stake. He's left his family. He's left everything else. He's followed Elijah for 10 years. And now they come to him and go, you know, it's time for him to go. And what's his response? They not want to talk about it. Uh, I think we have to be careful there. I think Elisha missed a great opportunity here. Think about if he would have taken the opportunity and said, "Yeah, I know, I know it's his day." And You know what, guys? When when the Lord takes him, this is what we're going to do. But instead, he shuts it out. It's like, you know what? It's death. I don't want to talk about it. Don't want anything to do with it. You know, it's kind of like I'm going to put off the inevitable. Da da da. I think we have to be careful. I think we have to be careful when we talk about this issue of death and, 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 and how we handle it and how we look at our own mortality. Bottom line, it is a point that a man wants to die and after this judgment. Every one of us is going to end up, unless the Lord comes before then, every one of us is going to end up in a funeral home at some point. Death is a reality of life. We have to be able to talk about it. We have to be able to face it. We have to be able to be honest about it. and I think we get into trouble in our life, and it's crazy because we we will talk about everything else. We'll talk about 401ks, we'll talk about IRAs, we'll talk about social security, we'll talk about um, uh, life insurance, we'll talk about all you know what you know inheritance wills, we'll talk about all that stuff. but when we talk about the idea of what's going to happen to my soul when I'm gone, oh no no, no, you know that. That's like, a, that's like a religious thing. I don't do religious thing. Look, it's coming. And you need to be able to address it. You need to be able to honestly ask yourself, you know, what's going to happen when I take my last breath? Ignoring it doesn't help. It's not going to go away. It's a day that's coming for each of us. And we have to be honest about when that... And and I know the idea. The idea is, well, you know, I'll think about it when I get older. Really? You want to guarantee me you've got tomorrow? Because that's a guarantee you can't make. There's not a one of us in here that can guarantee we will be here tomorrow. No. And the reality of it is, you know, I have buried people in their 90s and I have buried newborns. And the reality of it is death is real. It is something we have to face. We need to be honest with ourselves and be willing to talk about it. Be willing to really look at our own mortality. Um, I think it's interesting because you know what? What's Elijah's response to the thing that, I mean somebody came to you for a minute. Think about this for a minute. He gets that scenario we always play out. What if this was your last day? What if you knew today was your last day? They come to Elisha and say, hey, today's your last day with him. I don't want to talk about it. Elijah knew it too. And what does Elijah do? Because there's a great lesson here. What does Elijah do? He keeps right on going. Oh, God wants me to go to Gawel. Oh, God wants me to go to Jericho. Oh, God wants me to go across Jordan. Okay. He just keeps walking. He ends his life by walking along with a friend. He doesn't go, oh, this is my last day, well, i got to, here's my bucket list. He does what God has called him to do, what he's supposed to do, and he just keeps plugging away. Because why? Death is not something that alters his day at all. Which I think is amazing in the life of your life. Is that he just kind of keeps plugging away. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to go here. And and he looks at Elijah and says, look, you know what? I don't know how this is all going to play out in the end. Why don't you just stay here? He's like, "No, no, 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 no. I've been with you side by side. I am not letting you out of my sight. We're in this together. I think there's a lesson here from Elijah as well regarding commitment. There was no turning back when this guy decided to follow Elijah, he burned all the bridges. There was nobody in the family that sat down and think and thought, I wonder which side he's on. I wonder if he's really serious about this. You know what? Maybe he's just gonna go try the prophet thing for a while. No, they all knew. They all knew. Here's my question to us. Does the world know how committed we are to Christ? I mean, they know? Is there any question in their mind? You know? What we, what, where are we stand? You know? It, it's funny because once in a while, I'll run into somebody and they don't know that I know you or something like that. And, and you've never had a church talk with them or whatever else, and, and your name will come up and I'll say, oh yeah, you know, yeah, they go to church out there and, they, and, and they'll say something like this. I get, I get two responses. One response is, oh yeah, I could probably figure that. Or, I have actually had this response, really? <laughs> um, it's never a good thing. Uh, you know, it's like, what? I'm shocked. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, and, 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 and of course, when I get that response, I'm like, yeah, we all struggle together. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> but the question is do people know? I mean, do they really know that I'm committed to, to follow Christ? And if I have to make a choice, one or the other, there's no question which way I'm going, because I'm I'm all in on this thing, I'm all in on this, and and, and that's what I love about Elijah or Elisha is, man, when he when, when Elijah comes to him and says, hey, follow me, um, you know, you're you're my guy, he goes, okay, I'm all done with this, I'm walking away from it all, and he does. And he does not turn back. And you study out his life, and you find that he continues to serve God till the day he dies. The other thing, the last thing I think that really stands out is this idea of the contrast in how somebody who rejects God dies versus how somebody who follows God. Ahab and Jezebel, who opposed God at every turn. I mean, even, you know, basically... The only people that were really concerned about their death were dogs. Versus a man who followed God with his whole heart. I don't know if you understand the dynamics of what happened to Elijah on that day. But it really is a picture of a believer leaving this world and going to the next. Okay? Okay because just think about it for a minute in your mind's eye think about it for a minute he and Elijah Elijah and Elisha are walking side by side and all of a sudden they hear this roar and they look either behind them or in front of them whichever way it was and they see horses on fire and then they see a chariot of fire and this thing keeps rolling closer and closer and closer to them until finally they realize they're going to be run over And so one goes this way and one goes the other way. It was the only way God could separate the two of them. Elijah has tried a number of times to leave Elisha, but no, 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 no. Elisha wasn't going to do that. So literally God has to come between them, which I think is a phenomenal picture of the way we ought to live our life with other believers. And separate them. And then in the aftermath of the chaos that's created with a horse, a chariot, of fire driving between you he's sucked up into it and off he goes and Elisha is standing there going whoa and notice how God pictures taking Elijah it's what, what comes significant, what comes Horses and fire. chariot. Oh, What's that? Yeah. And fire. The, the whole thing. It, fire's been symbolic of the power of God in His life for this whole thing. Now all of a sudden you have horses and a chariot. What do you use horses and a chariot for? Huh? No? No. Don't get don't get complicated on me. Well, to, travel. to travel. To go from one place to the next. And God says, for the life, for the death of my children, it's just a journey from one place to the next. For my children, it's like jumping on a plane or a train to the next spot. Paul said it this way, absent from the body is present with the Lord. I know the pain that losing a loved one causes. I get it. Hey, I get it. I lost people out. There's not a person in here who hasn't been touched by death in some way. But I wonder if when that person dies, if God could simply peel back all of the stuff that we see and allow us to see what takes place unseen from their view, what would our response be? Because Elijah, Elisha gets to see that. He gets to see God come down and take from them someone he cares about and someone he loves. And it is not in a, in a horrible kind of setting thing. It is this whirlwind of an incredible journey from this place to the next. It is one of those things that, that he is awestruck at how incredible it would be for God to leave heaven drive down a set of uh, horses and chariots, grab you and say, come on, it's time to go. What an incredible journey for those who follow God, those who are believers, those who put their faith and trust in Christ. And that's what Elisha gets to see. The only other person it happened to was a guy by the name of Enoch. It had happened before Elijah. And you know how it happened with him? He was just walking along, and one day he was gone. Again, it was a journey. It was, it was, it was part of a path. Elijah and Elisha walked along. God says, hey, it's time. Pfft, we're gone. And from then on, he spends eternity with God and gets to come back to earth a couple of times, which I'm not sure how he felt about that, in all honesty. The Mount of Transfiguration, I think he was thrilled to see Jesus again, but I think he's going, you know what, i <laughs> Now, this was like really cool the first time, but I'm over it. Um, You know, I think sometimes we miss that. But you see, when you have dealt with death, when you've confronted the idea of your mortality, been honest about the fact that your sin separates you from God, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then death is, is not a big deal for you. It's not something you fear. It's not something that you're afraid to talk about. It's not something that you're like, oh, no, what if, what if, what if. No, you just keep going about your day. God takes you. You go from this world to the next. If you don't have that kind of assurance, come on. It's the most important thing in all your life. But for those of us who do, listen, folks, it's going to be one incredible ride. And for those of you who have buried loved ones, the, the one thing that you have as a believer is that when I go to a graveside, I have a hope that they put their faith and trust in Christ and experience what I get to experience. So I sorrow, don't get me wrong, but I don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Honestly, when my dad passed away, it was hard on all of us, but here's the reality of it. Um, He had been looking forward to that for a long time. And I wish I could have seen it from heaven's perspective, not my own. Because all we see is the pain, the suffering, the difficulty, and the hardship, and all the stuff that goes on. We don't know what was taking place in that unseen world. Elisha got a short glimpse of what that looked like. And he was awestruck so that's my challenge to you if you've not put your faith and trust in Christ please seriously don't keep ignoring the issue of death but be honest about it for those of you who have I hope you have the kind of commitment Elisha's had that you're all in everybody knows about it and you really don't care what they think And, and, and it means that everyone knows your faith and trust is in Christ and when Elisha walked in and said dad Thanks for farming. I've enjoyed the opportunity to farm. But we're going to have a fire. I'm going to slay the oxen. We're going to have a great big meal. And I'm going to go serve God because that's what He's called me to do. And Mom and Dad said, Bless you, son. Let's have a great feast. What an incredible story. Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us, direct us. Lord, for someone here, the whole issue of death makes them uncomfortable. There's a fear, there's a concern, there's. There's not a confident assurance of that, Lord. Would you give them that? Would you help them understand that faith and trust in you is based on what you have done and simply their response to it? May they go into this Christmas season, Lord, understand what it's really all about. Lord, for those of us who have put our faith and trust in it, Lord, will we have the kind of commitment, the kind of dedication that says to a world, we follow Christ, and uh, that's the most important thing to us. Lord, may the world see it, may they hear it, may we demonstrate it in the way we live our lives, in the way we treat them, in the way we go about our our every day. And Lord, may you use us this week to share that message with so many others that need it. These things we ask in your name.